many people are excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. You know, th that video there that we see, uh, you know, we're, we're like, hey, man, that's not happening here in this, in this community. But you, each and every single one of you guys are a part of that because that is a, the New Life Centers is a branch of New Life. Is, um, last year and every year before that, we've kind of always done that collection uh, for, uh, to collect extra funds so they can do what they do. They've got an amazing building. Uh, you know, and that, that's an, a community just like a lot of communities in the city of Chicago, but it's a community that which, you know, they're really stricken by violence. Uh, you know, young people's lives are taken all the time. And, you know, Pastor Matt, who you see there, him and his team, whenever there's a, a, a young kid has been killed, shot, whatever the case is, they're the, in the front lines. They're running towards that scene, and they help out uh, the families, and they, 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 they walk through them, mentor them. So just... Amazing, amazing work. Just to remember, this is a good, we show these videos once a month, these altered videos, so that you know that we're just not this one church uh, that's within these four walls. But we've got over 24 locations all over the city for the good of the city. We're in different uh, countries as well. Uh, and we are really, I want you to, when you read the Bible, when you read, uh, you know, the writings of the Apostle Paul, how he's writing to the different churches, that's, that's what we are. We're bigger than just what happens in here. Amen. So praise God for that. Well, we're going to go on ahead and jump into today's message. We just capped off. We finished off last week our sermon series that was titled Discipleship 101. We decided as a church to jump into heavy discipleship speaking because there was a survey recently that showed 47% of people who identify as Christ followers said that they don't disciple other peoples or they, they don't make disciples of other people because they simply don't know how. And so as a church, we want to make sure that, that, that we are not in that 47%. And if you are, it's going to be because you haven't just been paying attention. Amen? And so praise God for that. And so we're continuing now that follow-up on this Discipleship 101. We're uh, with a series that's titled The Nine-Week Challenge. The Nine-Week challenge. And throughout this series here, we're going to be talking about, we're going to be looking at nine different spiritual disciplines. Uh, you can see them up there on the screen, actually, to the right. We're going to be covering today identity, which is different than the other uh, disciplines. Uh, but identity is, is very important because you've got to know who you are. Uh, but throughout these nine weeks, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be prioritizing that. We're going to be going through that. Uh, and that's very, very, very important. Uh, these disciplines that as we start to apply them in our lives can make us better. Amen? And so when we're talking about spiritual disciplines, Donald Whitney, uh, he writes this. He describes spiritual disciplines as this. He says, they are God-ordained means by which we bring ourselves before God, we experience him, and we are changed into Christ-likeness. It has pleased him to establish specific means, the spiritual disciplines, whereby we may expect to encounter him regularly and be transformed by him. He continues to say, if the Lord might be compared to a pure life-giving river, the spiritual disciplines would be those ways by which we come to the river to drink from, dive in, swim in, eat from, wash with, and irrigate that's how this brother is describing, describing spiritual disciplines. And I love the image that he gives in regards to the river because these aren't, these aren't just a divine to-do list. I want you to know that. I want you to understand that throughout these nine weeks as we go through these nine spiritual disciplines, these are not just to-do lists. Please don't look at it like that because if you are, then you're wasting your time. You're doing it wrong, as people like to say. They aren't necessary tasks to, uh, to complete for God to love us more or to bless us more. Not at all. These different skills that we're going to be going over in these ni next nine weeks and habits that we're going to be talking about, what they do do is that they bring life to our life with God. He also gives the image of starting a fire. I don't know how many of you guys, but I love 
what we do, like little bonfires uh, in my backyard. Sometimes at the church we would do them as well, have bonfires, and you sit around, especially on a, on a chilly night, right? You know, you want to get closer to the fire in a chilly night. But you know and you understand that you have to, if you're going to at least have that, let's say maybe you just want s'mores. So you start up a fire, do some s'mores, and then you run inside uh, the house like my wife did on Friday. Spend more time starting the fire than, than, than the melting the marshmallows and say, hey, there's a stove upstairs. But in order to keep that fire going, in order to keep that fire going strong, what do you have to do? You have to continue to kindle that fire. You have to continue to add little pieces of wood or bigger pieces of wood to keep it going strong. The disciplines that we're going to be covering this in these next nine weeks, they're like that. In order to keep your relationship with the Lord strong, in order to keep your life as a follower of Jesus Christ strong, in order for you to stay focused and be in the mission in which Christ calls us all to be, not just me as your pastor, each and every single one of you who call on the name of Jesus Christ has a mission to be a part of, then we need to make sure that just like that firewood, that we're practicing these disciplines that we're going to be covering so that we can continue to keep that fire strong. If you do nothing, expect nothing. These disciplines are intentional practices by which God strengthens us, how he fuels our discipleship. The disciplines are how we go about living a holy life, how we become more like Jesus, how we grow in our relationship with him. And so today, as we start off with our first one, the first practice is a little bit different than others. For example, next week, we're going to be talking about reading your Bible, that, that discipline that you need to have in your life. It's a little bit different this week, but it's the most important. Today is about continually reminding ourselves who it is that we are in Jesus. We have to do that. You can't, I told you guys the last few weeks, you can't go out, for example, make disciples if you're not discipling yourself first. You can't go out and do what Christ has called you to do without reminding yourself who you are in Jesus. Because the moment you forget who you are in Jesus is the moment that everything else, what are you doing for? When you know who you are in Jesus, when you are reminded who you are in Jesus, when you know that you've been, see, you've been saved, you've been signed, sealed, delivered like the song says, when you know that he's rescued you, where, when, when you felt like there was no other way out, man, that is what fuels the fire for you to do the things that he calls you to do. That's what allows you to die to yourself. That's what allows you to count, to count all the costs that even though I lose relationships, even though I may lose my employment, even though I, I, I may lose certain things that I find near and dear to my heart, I'm going to do it Jesus Christ anyways. That's because you know who it is that you are in him. Amen. The Bible tells us that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. You give your life to Jesus Christ, you have become a new person. The Bible says the old life is gone and a new life has begun. That's why we call ourselves New Life Community Church. Because the old is gone, this is new. This is new. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, the Bible says that you are called children of God. A disciple of Jesus is given a new identity. When you say, hey, from this day forward, I am choosing to follow Jesus. I am going to be one of his disciples, which means a follower. Then you have a new identity. The fact that I am a follower of Jesus is the central core, identifying truth that should saturate every aspect of my being. To be a follower of Jesus is not simply a piece of our personality puzzle. It's not a hobby. It's not just a piece of religious information that you get each and every single day. And this is what we talked about last month, that to be a disciple is to be a new person in him. We're talking about this as a spiritual practice because our identity in Jesus isn't simply about just starting 
to follow him. Our identity defines how we follow him day in and day out in every single thing that we do. Our identity in Jesus Christ drives the discipleship process. And so today we're going to be going through the book of Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. So if you got your Bibles, open them up with me to Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. But this passage here is going to help us to see how to navigate our identity in him. It's going to teach us some very, very valuable principles. You see, we're going to be talking about identity today, knowing who it is that we are, right? And the reason why we've started with this one, the reason why I believe that this is so, so, so important is because I'm not sure if you've noticed, but we're living in a world in which we have conflict of interest or we have so many different strings that are pulling us on, on when it comes to the topic of identity. I believe we, we're living in a world right now that Satan has really kind of just pushed confusion all over the world. Now, unlike any other time, our young kids are growing up so confused with who they are, of what their purpose is, of what it is they need, that they need to do. And if we're not careful, what we see is the world just has kind of become like, hey, you walk into this thing, place called life. And here goes a buffet of all different types of identities that you get to choose from. The flavor of the month is this. The issue is, the real problem is that we don't clearly know our own identity. And what we got to know and understand and make sure that as children of God, church, listen, it is very, very, very important that you understand what your identity is. Of who your identity is in Jesus Christ. Because if you don't know that, if you don't understand that, then the world will give you so many different options. And you may choose one today, choose another one tomorrow. And that's our issue. So in this topic, I want to talk to you about if you're here today, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you say, yes, I am a disciple of Jesus. Yes, I want to be able to follow in the steps in which he has planned for me to walk through. I want to be able to be on this mission with Jesus, with this church, with my fellow brothers and sisters that I want to talk to you about how to embrace your new identity. Because the reality is there's a lot of things that sometimes you show up to and then, then you say, now what, right? You show up to, to, to work, maybe maybe you're, you're, you're a new hire. All right, I'm at work, now what? You go to school, I've arrived, now what? You're... You start a new relationship. Oh, this was fun, but now what? And a question that sometimes new believers or, or, or people in general say, man, all right, I've given my life to Jesus Christ. Now what? So how to embrace your new, your new identity. The first thing that I want to talk to you about is that to embrace your new identity, you must change your perspective. To change your new identity, you must change your perspective. And if you open, opened up your Bible with me, you, you're ready. If not, we have the verses on the screen. You're watching us via Facebook. The passage will be there on your screen as well. But let's start off. Let's see what uh, the Apostle Paul has to say in regards to this. Amen? Before we get into the Word, everyone just bow your head. Father God, we come before you. We thank you. We thank you for this opportunity in which you've given us. We thank you for the freedom that we have to join together in this building, Lord, to go through your word, to talk, to, to, to listen, to receive, to learn these valuable lessons in regards to embracing our new identity or our, our identity in you, God. I pray, Father God, that you would speak to us, that you would speak to the very depths of our hearts. Lord, that you would take all distractions and push them to the side, that we would see what you want us to see, that we would hear what you want us to hear, Lord, and that you would sow your seeds of your word into our hearts. In Jesus' name, the church of God says, amen. So the Apostle Paul, he goes on and says this, verse 1, chapter 3 
the book of Colossians. He says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things, what? Above. Everyone say above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. Everyone say, not on earthly things. Very simple. What are you saying? In your new identity, in your new person, you set your minds on things that are above, focus on the Lord, not on things that are in front of you here on this earth. Verse 3, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Amen? <clears throat> we see here Paul turns his attention to practical Christian living. But our practices, he goes on ahead and shows us, they have to be built on the right mindset. You know, everything, some, sometimes our life projects or our life, the seasons of our life that we're going through have a lot to do on where our minds are. How do you see things, right? People talk about the, oh, I'm a half, what is it, a half empty, half glass guy? I'm a half full glass guy. I'm, I'm mixing it all up. But the way you go around life a lot of times has a lot to do with your mindset. You know, are you someone that gives everyone the benefit of the doubt, or are you someone that always thinks that everyone is out for wrong, for bad, to get you? Paul is telling us we have to fix our minds. We have to, we have to grab our minds and put them in the right place. We're told that since we have been raised to a new position with Christ, that we are called to think different. Being, being a new creation, being a new person in Christ means we can no longer think the way we used to think. We have to think in a different way. We have to have different mindsets. We have to value things differently. Maybe some things that we valued high, now being a follower of Jesus Christ, we can't value them high no more because they don't do nothing for you. They're not doing nothing for me. They're not doing nothing for my spirit. Some things that maybe you kind of didn't value high, now you start to value it high because now you're saying, man, this is good. This is feeding my spirit. This is allowing me to grow. Apostle Paul is talking about perspective here. You've got to change your perspective. A new view gives you a new perspective on where you are. A new view gives you a new perspective on how it is that you see the world. Now, being a follower of Jesus Christ, knowing that you are on a mission to Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to be obedient to the ways of Jesus Christ. Now, now, instead of looking at this world as, oh, man, these people are horrible. They all deserve to burn in hell. Now you're looking at, them, looking at it like, man, these people need Jesus. These people need someone to, to bring them the good word. Man, these people need me to be praying for them. Or your perspective once was, man, let them get what they deserve. Now changes to, man, let me pray that God will meet them where they are. You see the difference between those two perspectives, man? And it changes everything. Set your hearts on things above, the Apostle Paul says. Value different is what he's saying. Our hearts have to do with what we consider valuable or what is important to our lives. That's why the Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart also be. Whatever you value, man, whatever it is that you really set really high, that's where your heart is at. And the Apostle Paul here is saying your new identity in Jesus Christ. He's talking to the Colossian church. He's talking to them that maybe their priorities were mixed up or in the wrong places. He says, man, you want your heart to be in Jesus? Set your mind on the things of Jesus. It's that simple. A simple way to say it is setting our hearts on things above means striving to put heaven's priorities into daily practice. That's what we're doing. That's what we're teaching these next nine weeks, these different disciplines that I'm going to challenge you as a church as we cover them. You're going to have a challenge today, and you'll have a challenge each and every week. That's why we call it the nine-week challenge. But to set your mind to prioritize on these things, thinking heavenly, Lord God, when you wake up, one of the things I do is, Lord, may you 
somehow, some way, today, use me to glorify you. Let it be a conversation that I'm going to spark with someone. Place somebody in my heart that maybe you want me to reach out to. Or just, man, just walk around reflecting the love of Jesus Christ. Set your minds on things above. Think differently. See, the focus of our thinking needs to move to another dimension, church. Set your minds means this is what you need to be thinking about. That's what Paul is saying. This is what you need to be thinking about. Focus on meditating on things that have kingdom value. I want you maybe maybe analyze right now while you're sitting there thinking, how much of your day do you think about prioritizing something that has kingdom value? Just think about that right now. How many times throughout your regular day do you think about prioritizing something that has kingdom value? Like the fact that you're here today. Well, you prioritize doing something that had kingdom value because you said, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to worship. I'm going to receive. I'm going to listen to what it is that God has for me. But that's Sunday. That's one day out of seven. How about the rest of the day? I get emails, phone calls, text messages. Smile. Not everybody has to pay for the, the person behind you in the drive through meal to do a good deed. There are many, many things that do not involve money. That's a challenge. It's something that came to me right now, you know. How many? How many times? If the answer is zero, then we need to fix our eyes. We need to say, God, present opportunities for me. Setting our minds above things on things above means concentrating on the eternal rather than the temporal. See, we, we, we do that a lot. We do that a lot. We, we focus a lot on the things that are in front of us. Oh, but I don't have time. Excuse me. I, I was, I think it was about two weeks ago. I get choked up a little bit. I'm not crying. But it's okay. I got this. So many times we get stuck on, well, I don't, I don't have time think about heavenly things. I don't have time to, to do these things. I don't have so much, I don't have the time to, 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 to focus on the Lord or reading my word or, or, or whatever the case is because I just got so much in front of me. And I get it, man. I get it because the reality is life keeps going. It doesn't stop for no one. Life doesn't come to you and say, okay, I'm going to stop being life. Work doesn't come and say, I'm going to stop being work. School doesn't come and say, I'm going to stop being school. Your relationship doesn't don't come and say, I'm, we're going to put our relationships on hold so that you can now have an hour to focus on God. It doesn't, it doesn't happen like that. But we have to focus because we work hard. We work so hard on, on trying to make sure that we're building up our careers, our bank accounts, relationships, whatever the case is. We work so hard towards that. But how much of that, how much of your time are you spending on heavenly thoughts, on things that are kingdom thoughts? Amen? Our new thinking comes from understanding our new position. You know, setting your hearts and minds above, one of the things is you got to think about it, it's like tuning a radio. I get many of us probably don't listen to radios anymore. We just you know, Spotify, downloading this and that. We, don't, we, don't wanna, we pay the extra money so we don't have to hear ads anymore. But if you're like me in an older car, sometimes you have to tune the radio, especially when the CDs always get stuck. It's crazy. I said CDs. Some of you guys, some of the kids are like, what are you talking about, CDs? But you have to tune the radio many times to find that station, especially if it's, there's a lot of static. Well, what are you really doing? If you really know the whole, you know, idea behind that. There's tons of messages that are, uh, you know, radio frequencies that are going around that you have to catch, right? Lots of messages floating around in the air. That's just like us when we're choosing where we're going to place our mind. You've got messages all over the place. You have different messages of identity of who you are and all these type of things. Like what is it that you need to focus that you have to kind of just catch the right one, catch the right station, tune into it. What is it that I want to listen to? Our new thinking is most effective when we understand our new position. That's why he says in verse 3, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. 
see our conversion as an implied death to old self and our and resurrection to new self. And that's the whole, that's what, that's what baptism symbolizes. You know, when you're getting baptized, you're going into the water, it's like you're dying to your old self. When you come out of that water, it's like it's a new you. What we're talking about here, that's, that, that, that's what we symbolize when we get baptized. In Romans chapter 6, verses 6 through 7, it says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from so here Paul is reminding them that they were already dead to the old self, but now they needed to start living in that reality. They need to start living in that reality. So as we're learning how to embrace our new identity, not only will you need to change your perspective, but the next thing is you're going to need to eliminate the old identity behaviors. Not only do you have to change your, 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 your perspective, you have to eliminate your old behaviors. To embrace your new identity, you must eliminate old identity behaviors is the second point that I've got there today. Verse 5, this is what it says. Put to death. Everyone say, put to death. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Paul is saying, remember, we've got to focus on heavenly things. We've got to focus on things that are, that are kingdom-minded. And so he goes on ahead and says, well, in order to do that, you have to put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And I'll get into that a little bit. He continues to go on ahead and say, he says, he kind of describes some of these earthly nature desires, struggles that we go through. He talks about sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Verse 6, he says, because of these, listen to this, because of these, because of what? All those things that I just listed that the Apostle Paul says we need to kind of die to. We need to put these things to death. The reason why we need to put these things to death is because they're dangerous. They are lethal. And because of these, he says in verse 6, the wrath of God is coming. That just shows you these things are bad. That shows you how dangerous these things are. Most importantly, it shows you how God feels about it. That because of these things, these things that corrupt us, the corrupt families, marriages, all these types of things, your soul, your spirit. He says, the wrath of God is coming. Verse 7, you used to walk in these ways. Someone say amen. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. He says, put to death. What does that mean? He says, man, make, make a corpse of is what the, 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 the proper Greek word, which I don't have, but what the Greek word really means in this part is make a corpse of it. Make it dead. Put it to death. Apostle Paul is saying you need to learn to become a killer of the old nature. You got to become a killer of the old nature. You know, think about this. Think about Think about when someone, maybe diabetic or for, uh, for some other reasons, you develop gangrene, right, in your toes, in your foot. You know, what are the, what are the doctors most of the time, what, they, what do they have to do? They have to, you have to chop it off. Why? Because after researching it, if gangrene is not treated within 48 hours, many people can die from it because it's spreading so fast. Think about the soldiers. You know, the images that came to my mind as I was putting this together, soldiers are out in the war zone, you know, when they get hurt and they know there, this, this thing, there's, there's no hope for this right away. You got to take it off. You got to take it off. As followers of Christ, we have to daily make decisions, church, to remove anything that supports or feeds these desires. It's a hard, it's hard. That's very, very difficult for us to do. It's difficult for, for, for us to say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop this because it's affecting my spirit. I'm going to stop watching this because it's affecting my spirit. I'm going to stop acting like this or speaking like this because it's affecting my spirit. And Apostle Paul says you have to remove anything 
You have to kill. You have to cut off anything that feeds or supports these desires. Because if you don't, then just like that gangrene within 48 hours, you're dead. And we're speaking now in the spiritual sense. In reality, there are many people spiritually that are walking around, and they've got, they're, they're filled with gangrene. They're like walking corpses. But the beautiful thing is that as long as there's still breath in your lungs, Jesus Christ says, I want to reverse that. I want to turn that around. I want to heal you completely. But you have to put these things that gave you that to death. What good is you finding a cure for a disease that is ravishing through your body if you're going to continue to do the things that started that disease in the first place. How do you put to death your lower nature? We'll call that your lower nature. How do you put that to death? I'm going to tell you one thing. If you're trying to develop a strategy on how to make a corpse of these things that are feeding you negatively, can I tell you something? Can you stop making this? Can you stop strategizing? Stop, stop, stop thinking like you got it figured out. Because the reality is that in order for you to put to death these things, you have to yield to the Spirit of God. You can't do it on your own. The flesh and the Spirit, the Bible says, are constantly, constantly tugging in different directions. The Spirit is telling you, this is what you have to do, my son. Your body's saying, no, 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 come this way, do that. You know what, you've got to stop Focusing on these things that are making you, uh, make, just stirring up bad thoughts in you. The flesh is saying, no, you keep thinking about that. The spirit is saying, son, you're killing yourself. Stop doing these things. The flesh says, man, keep eating your drugs. Romans chapter 8 verse 13 says this. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will what? It doesn't get simpler than this as a, teach, as a pastor to teach. If you live according to the sinful nature, the Bible says you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death these misdeeds of the body, you will live. The Apostle Paul, here he goes again, talking about putting these things to death. And what I love about that is that you can't do it on your own. You need to know who you are and your new identity with Jesus Christ. But he continues to say, you put to death. Like, you need to stop these things. You need to make that decision. Because God gives us a free will. He wants you to be all in with him. He wants you serving him. He wants you well. He wants you healthy. But we have to be the ones that initially make that decision that I'm going to put these things to death. Now God work in me and fill these voids that I was doing these things that I thought I needed. Everything with God is I will give you this, but you have to do that. There are action steps that we need to take. It's like someone that's in a relationship, right? You've been dating the same guy for two years, and you're like, listen, like, what are we? Like, Either, either you're going to step up and make a step and, and, and ask me to, to, to marry you so that I can be your wife or, 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 or we're going to stop, right? There's action steps that need to be taken. Verse 13, it says, or oh, I read that one. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24 and 25 says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature by its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. We see here the Apostle Paul telling us, because, again, when you're thinking about having to do all this stuff on your own, man, a lot of people throw in the towel because it's too hard, and it is. We weren't meant to do this thing called life on our own. We weren't meant to, to, to we can't save ourselves. The key to putting to death is living in the spirit, is knowing who you are. Knowing who your true and right identity is in Jesus Christ. You cannot put sinful desires to death through your own will 
power. And I leave this part with this. It's pretty much saying, very simple, if you leave with anything, you can leave with this. Flesh cannot dominate flesh. It cannot. You need the work of the Spirit in your life. It's like a woman who breaks up with a man and, and he can't get over her. I know some of you guys know what I'm talking about. You, you, everyone has kind of those stories. And he tells himself, listen, man, I, I, I cannot, I can't help myself but, but think about her. And he can't up, stop obsessing about her, right? But he only releases her when he begins to love another woman much more than his former girlfriend. You see, the flesh is the old girlfriend, and the spirit is your new love. You may be like, man, I can't, I can't see how I'm going to live my life without this. I can't see how I'm going to be able to operate life without that. I, I, just, I just can't do it. Listen, man, fall in love with Jesus Christ. Fall in love with Jesus Christ. Fall in love and, with what he has done for you. Fall in love with what he offers you. Because when you fall in love with Jesus, man, those things I'll tell you firsthand, they don't look as attractive to you. <laughs> Just like this man, man, I was stuck on this woman, but man, look at what I got now. You look at that and you say, I mean, some of you guys, you look at it the way you were in your old life. You know, in the, when you were in that life, it looked good. It felt good, right? But now that you have a new love, now that you have someone Jesus Christ, who's filling those voids that you had once empty, you look at that and say, man, man, I was wrong. Man, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe that I was stuck in this. Fall in love with Jesus. You think it's hard? I know it's hard. You, you've done life with whatever it is that you struggle with for a long time. You have a very, very intimate relationship with that thing. Whatever it is. But Jesus is saying, man, I've got something better. I've got something that will continue to give you on and on and on and on. You won't have a part of me and then feel empty. You won't have a part of me and then have this big void in your heart. Love Jesus first. Look for Jesus. Seek Jesus these next nine weeks, as we go through these disciplines, commit to following these disciplines, to making them a part of your life. And you will see how these things that fight for your attention will no longer be attractive to you. And that's what I mean, that you don't have to do that on your own. You don't have to cut that completely on your own. If you get closer to Jesus, Jesus does the fighting. When embracing your new identity, not only will you need to change your perspective, church. Not only will you have to eliminate the old identity behaviors, but also you will need to rid yourself of old attitudes. Verse 8, this is what he says. But now you must rid yourselves. Everyone say rid yourselves. Of all such things as these. I love it, man, because Paul, he's helping us out. He's getting giving us detailed stuff here. He says, rid yourself of these things, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Listen, see, the first list that Paul gave, some of you guys were like, well, I'm cool. I don't fall into it. I, I, I'm not struggling with sexual morality or, 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 or with any lusting. I'm good. I'm good. Maybe this hits you. Maybe this is you. He says, you must rid yourself of all such things. You got to get rid of these things. The anger, church, the rage, the malice, the slander, the filthy language from your lips. And then he says in verse 9, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. I think we've kind of covered everything here now. I think we're all hopefully with our ears open now. Verse 8, he says, but now, but now. Why is he saying but now? Because he's trying to say, because you are a different person spiritually. <clears throat> Talks about anger, resentment. I've already mentioned all these things. All these have to do with negative 
attitudes. These are all negative attitudes that affect our heart. Man, because when you're angry, when you're really angry at something, and I'm not talking about the Christ-like anger that I talked that I preached about a couple months ago. I'm talking about the ugly anger. It affects your heart. It affects it. When there's rage in you, man, when that person beeped at you when you were driving perfectly fine and stuck up that middle finger of you at, at you, and now your blood is boiling. That don't make you feel too good, does it? when you're talking bad about things or people. And the big one here is the filthy language. You know how they say, man, you kiss your mama with that mouth? Man, do you praise Jesus Christ with that mouth? All these have to do with negative attitudes that affect our hearts and our speech. You can say these are sins of speech, let's say. Right? Because all these things fluster up in our heart, and eventually come out of our mouth. Filthy communication. The context favors the translation when he talks about this, uh, the language of abusive language rather than impure conversation. And the hardest part of taking off the old man are, are not the most visible habits sometimes, but rather the invisible attitudes of our hearts. reality is that some of you guys have stopped doing things that you shouldn't be doing, right? Because you're like, I'm a new person. I've stopped doing this, Pastor. I've stopped watching this, or I, 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 I stopped thinking like that to some, to some, some degree. I've stopped this bad habit. I've started reading the Bible. But the reality is, your attitude's still filthy. And your conversations are full of slander and negativity. And we've got to watch it. We've got to watch that attitude. We need it, again, the closer we get to Jesus, there's a renewing. Do not, do not be conformed to the ways of this world, right? But the closer we get to Jesus, man, he changes us and our minds. Embracing the new identity involves changing your perspective, eliminating the old identity behaviors, ridding yourself of old attitudes and failure, and lastly, putting on the new self by renewing our faith. <clears throat> to embrace the new identity, you would need to put on the new self by renewing your thinking. This is what he says in verse 10, and this is our final point. <clears throat> he says, and have... Put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, slave or, or, or free, but Christ is all and is in all. You see, we see here the work is not completed by just taking off the practices and the attitudes of the old nature. When you do that, when that's done, the work is not completed. It's also about what it is that you have to put on. Because if you remove something, something has to take its place. And Paul is saying, right here, you need to have that renewal of mind. You get rid of this, but now you put on Jesus Christ. The literal word here in the Greek, it, it, it kind of says, it means renovate. Renovate. Like that old house, right? Sometimes you, you see these houses. Uh, a lot of people, they do this as a profession. They go into these houses that are in bad shape. Nobody wants to touch them. Nobody wants to touch them. They're horrible. You walk in, they stink, ceilings falling. And someone goes in there, right? They go in there and say, I'm going to invest in this. I'm going to make something out of this. They, they pay little to no money. They purchase this property, and they begin what's called a renovation. They renovate things, they replace things, they put new walls, new countertops, new floor, new ceilings, all of these things, and all of a sudden now, you're like, man, this house is beautiful. It's beautiful. But somebody had to go in and say, I'm willing to invest in this. I'm willing to make what nobody wants to touch into something that everybody's going to touch. 
That's the way we need to look at this, you know, in regards to our, our identity in Jesus. That we would try to go on ahead and make our minds towards him, focused on him so much that now we are seeking Christ-likeness. We are, we are, we are linking ourselves to be almost in his image. The likeness was, it has to be something that we said, man, I know, and we all say it sometimes, I've heard people say, man, I can't, I can't be like Jesus, or someone's expecting me to be perfect, don't be mad at me, I'm not Jesus, but the reality is that one of God's number one goals is for us to have conformity with Jesus. He wants us to strive to be like his son each and every single day. That's, that's, that's the purpose, that's our, that's our goal. If that's not your goal, then you really, you really need to have a heart-to-heart with the Lord. I want to be like Christ. A lot of us use that as, as an excuse. I'm going to do whatever I want because I can't be like him. No, you, want, you ought to try to be like Jesus Christ. You'll never be perfect, perfected until you're standing face-to-face with him on the other side of eternity. But know, know and understand. Know and understand that we are to die to our old self, but we need to go on ahead and, and, and replace that old with something new, and that's called Jesus Christ. The challenge for this day, for this week, until we meet next Sunday, I want you each day to speak into your identity. There's power in words. Do we have that QR code up? Whoever's running the slides for me. image that I sent. If they don't get it up, there's supposed to be QR codes there that you guys are going to scan and we'll take you there. But I want to challenge you to go on ahead if we don't get it up, to go on ahead and go to our website, our New Life Community um, Church page. And on there, you're going to see this new series in which we're talking about, the nine-week challenge. And when you go in there, you're going to, and if we don't have it now, we'll have it next week. But you're going to kind of get step by step, kind of uh, when you were watching the screen earlier on the right-hand side, they had all those lists. But what I want you to do is I want you to speak into your identity each day. Each day that you wake up, I want you to spend some time speaking to God and speaking into who it is that you are. Today, yes, I'm Louis Rome, but first and foremost, I'm a son, I'm a child of God. I'm imperfect, I make mistakes, but I am favored by God. I am loved by God. I am cherished by God. God has designed me. When God designed me in my mother's womb, and I'm saying me, but this is what I want you to be saying, God had a purpose for you. When you were woven together in the, in the womb of your mother, it wasn't by accident. It was because God had a purpose for you. And I want you to start thinking about that. I want you to start speaking that. I want you to start letting yourself hear those words that are coming out of your mouth. Even if it's, man, I'm a child of God and I'm loved by God. Even if it's something as simple as that. I challenge you each and every single day this week to speak into who it is that you are. Amen? Because the world is saying plenty. The world is saying plenty, and if you don't start knowing who you are, then you'll start being conformed to what the world is saying that you are, and that couldn't be further from the truth. Amen. I'm going to ask you to rise up to your feet. Again, you can go to our page, the New Life Community um, Church website. Look for this series that's titled Nine Week Challenge. When you click on there, you're going to see a list of the nine weeks of the different challenges and, and action steps that you can take, amen? Close your eyes right where you're at. Father God, we come before you right now, Lord. And we thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity that you've given us, Lord. But I pray and I ask, Lord, that your church today, that they have received your word, Father God. Lord, knowing and understanding, Father God, yes, that there are, there are disciplines that we need to, to, to put place in our life, healthy disciplines that are going to get us closer to you, Father God, and allow us to be clearer on mission. However, Lord, we can't do all these things until we know who we are in you, God. 
And I thank you for that, Lord Jesus. I thank you for your word, Father God, Lord Jesus, that we would, we would know that in our new identity, Father God, Lord, we do, we do have to die to our old self. Lord, I speak for many here. I believe that I know many times that, that we feel like we're striving for you, God, but we get stuck. Why do we get stuck? Because our old self shows up and makes us struggle, makes us stop, makes us kind of really think about it, God. But I pray, Lord, that we would know that we would stand firm in the truth, Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, that we are a new person, God. That we are a new person. We are a new creation, Father God. Lord, that what hung us up before doesn't hang us up anymore because we have a new love. What looked good to us before doesn't look good to us no more, Lord, because our eyes are fixed on the glory, beautifulness that you are. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would do that. That we would take, we would be a church that would be opened up, Father God, for these next nine weeks, Lord, to take on this challenge, Lord. And this week, Father God, Lord, that as your church each and every day begins to speak into their identity of who it is that they are in you, Father God. Lord, that you would affirm that, Father God. That you would affirm that, Father, that you would receive it, Lord Jesus Christ. We pray right now as we get ready to dismiss, Father God, that you would watch over your church. Watch over us, Father God, Lord, as we are going to our destinations, as we're getting ready for whatever the next uh, work week or school week is going to look like, Father God. I pray, Lord, that you would remind us of who we are, who we are in you. Part of our identity, Father God, is that you have called us, God, to be the salt of this earth. You have called us, God, to be the light of this dark, dark world. That you have called us not to blend in, but you've called us to stand out. That is who we are in you. Let us hold on to that. And Lord, let us do what you've called us to do, Father God. And church, I dismiss you with this blessing. Church, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord shine his favor upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. And may the Lord give you a peace, a peace which surpasses all understanding. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, the church of God says, amen, amen, and amen. That's the QR code, church. I'm not sure we could, I'm not sure if you'll be able to scan it because it looks like it's a little wide. But you can try to scan that with your phone. It'll take you directly to these nine-week challenge, specifically this challenge for this week.